This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You're about to listen to the 29th episode of Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast, recorded just a couple of hours after nominations were announced for the 87th edition of the Academy Awards, and it was a really interesting crop of movies, everything from Birdman and the Grand Budapest Hotel having the most amount of nominations with nine each to The Imitation Game with eight, American Sniper and Richard Linklater's Boyhood each getting six. So some of these things we've been talking about for a while, there were a few surprises, a couple interesting snubs as it were, so Ann Thompson and I dug right in. Remember that you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson is at AK Stanwick and we'll take your questions there. You can also subscribe to weekly updates for the sh- from the show on iTunes and uh, leave a review there and let us know what you thought. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Film Critic, joined as always by Thompson and Hollywood's Ann Thompson and Everything has changed. It's a new world. The Oscar nominations came out this morning. And yet, and I would say that in terms of the way the Best Picture field shook out, you were pretty much on target. You should, uh, you should be patting yourself on the back a lot today. Oh, I'm not. You know, basically there's a, there's a, um, a kind of, you know, the gold derby thing where, where all the experts are on there. It's like a contest to see who gets to pick, you know, the most uh, correctly. And it may look, you know, to a, to a casual observer like yourself, Mr. Cohn, it may look like I did well. But compared to um, the, the gang of experts, um, there's some things I did at the last minute. It, it's always those last minute changes that make you crazy. Like I had... Um, I had the, the, the Vim Vendors, Salt of the Earth. I had had that in there the whole season. And I had had, um, and I had had the, um, the uh, uh, Last Days in Vietnam for the sure. whole season. I'd been very loyal, you know, to those two films based on my seeing them, you right. know. And I, I, and I, I saw. And the campaigns. Certainly, I mean, you're talking about a movie with Sony Pictures Classics behind it. You know, Sony Pictures Classics being behind a movie means something. Uh, the party at Pierce Brosnan's house for last days in Vietnam probably meant something. There were lots of academies. Apparently it did. But, yeah. but, you know, but at the end of the day, what, what one of the things that you use as a way of figuring these things out are all the Guild nominations and all the different, uh, with the docs, it's hard to call because there's such a wide field of um, possible uh, entrance out of the 15 shortlisted for the Oscar that we're all getting, nom- you know, nominated and winning prizes and so forth. I mean, you could pick Citizen Four and Virunga and be pretty safe. But other than that, there were quite a few that got in there. Um, Life itself did not, which right. was, was a bit of a shock. That was so bizarre. I mean, honestly, it's when we're t- we talk about these things in terms of it being someone's time and you know, the, that it's one thing to talk about it being Richard Linkletter's time, 
But Steve James, you know, I mean, he wasn't even shortlisted for The Interrupters. And it's just fascinating to me to see a movie that until Citizen Four came along was largely considered to be a frontrunner in this category to be shut out completely. Though, you know, as, as I made a, a point today. It wasn't saying, really the frontrunner. As soon as uh, Citizen Four arrived at the New York Film Festival in the fall, life itself got pushed back. And the truth is that movies that have anything to do with show business are often not taken seriously well, by this fine, very, fine. very grave group of people but who take the docs very seriously. Of course, but you can't discount that, one, Steve James is a name, and two, this movie does play really well for people. It's a tearjerker, and it, it, a lot of people liked it. And like Boyhood, the narrative started at Sundance. So, I mean, it, it's it's not like this, this wasn't, you know, completely predictable. I mean, I think that it, you know, it, it was probably something that a lot of people were, were taken aback by. Well, basically us. what it is, and this is what, why it was harder to pick the Oscars this year than usual, is the doc category, if you have 15 contest, contestants heading for five slots, um, what in heaven's name, you know, how are you going to figure that out? And, and, and there were a lot of front runners that were heading for that group. Um, it isn't, it isn't just it, life itself was had a lot of competition is, is the problem. And sometimes what happens is that they don't go with the film that is perceived as a hit already, that is perceived as having already been hailed. They like to think that they're helping someone. That's, right. that's part of it. So the the other the other interesting snub outside of you know what happened in the bigger categories with foreign language you know a lot of people thought that Force Majeure was going to get get a, a singled out there and that was pretty interesting because both of those movies are Magnolia Pictures so while this was a big day for IFC films to the point where they got pretty much you know more I think than they could have really expected you know original six songs. nominations for yeah. Boyhood so it's extraordinary and they also got Finding Vivian Mayer in the in the documentary category. You know, so it's it's a it's a big day for them, but but Magnolia Pictures, which I think had two relatively believable contender contenders in documentary and foreign language, got shut out. So th those two developments, I think, show you you know to some degree, as much as everybody seems to know something about what's going on here, there, there's definitely something else going on that that's um, that's a little bit more complicated than any given narrative and as much as well, it might seem was a big surprise i have yep. to say that, that was a bit of a shocking oversight and you know it, it's strange language. because there's a retrospective of of the director Ruben Austin's films going on in New York right now and it's i think what one of the things that this brings to mind for me i mean you may see it as as i'm sort of a casual observer but the more and more we talk about this stuff the more and more i feel like i just become like like the Borg, you know, it's just like you, the more you talk about Oscar, the more you become part of that system. And it's just like you're talking in that it's, language. And it's a, it's an addiction. It's yeah. definitely an addiction. But it but is a reminder. You, picking the nominations is the most fun part for me because there's, there's a real race. Right. Now that we're getting into phase two and you're beginning to figure out what's going to actually win. The good news, by the way, is that there were some real... Um, artful, classy, uh, upscale uh, choices made, including Marion Cotillard, which really had to do with the fact that that race was so so weak. There was I'd a like field of four. No, uh, the critics helped yes, with that. Yes. Definitely. I mean, that, come you can now. take you can take a claim. Uh, uh, you can take claim because no one else voted for it except the critics. Right. Uh, 
So but and that, like so that her. was great. She's a popular I mean, figure. She's won before. She's worked the circuit before. Well, it, it was isn't also like Marion Cotillard is unknown. Level. She's no, won it, the Oscar before. Yeah, and, and but it's also it's still it's revenge on some level with the Darden brothers not even being shortlisted. You know, it's a, at least that movie is still prominently featured in this conversation right now, and that that made me feel a little bit more confident about the value of today's events. As did seeing that. The two movies that received the most nominations, I mean, Boyhood being this lock, that's always been a great story that we've been talking about again and again. But Grand Budapest, we've been going over this and thinking, well, is it going to be a part of this conversation? It seems I like I never it. doubted it. I well, but it remember, we started this conversation before it was being reintroduced to the conversation. So the You look fact at all my charts, worked, you'll see that I had Grand Budapest on there. We the know. Thing. No, and we know you were ahead of the curve, but the point no, is... No, the point yeah. is, is that a movie that comes out early has an advantage now. Yes. And all these movies that opened at the end of December are the ones that did badly, except for American Sniper, which did, in fact, manage to do well uh, because it's Clint Eastwood and because he can get away with it. And Bradley Cooper, it was his third consecutive Oscar nomination. That's what's going on there. But the other ones, all the other late-breaking ones, you, if you're an indie like Selma and you don't have a major movie star and you don't have a well-known director, you are not at the top of the screener pile, and that's what it amounts to. Right. But I have to say the other thing about this is seeing that Birdman and Budapest, okay. Nine, yeah. And then, and then Imitation Game... And then boyhood. Right. It works down that way. Well, that's a pretty right. interesting crop. I mean, in some ways, it almost seems like of the films that have the most nominations, it's, uh, it's Imitation Game that's the anomaly because it's the most sort of traditional of those films, which is not a knock on that movie, by the way. It's just interesting to see that it, it is not, you know, it remains not the front runner. But at the same time, it does seem like, you know, it's in the conversation in a way that I think a lot of people didn't see once it, it you know lost a little bit of momentum i mean morton totem was nominated for best director for example so that was a sign of strength do we see and this movie it did as... very well it did very well i eight nominations is, is is a lot um what's significant too is that is if you look at it a certain way um birdman and uh boyhood and imitation game and theory of everything they they all have and and even whiplash they all have acting nominations. What's so weird about Budapest is that most of its nominations are technical nominations. It didn't get acting nominations. That's amazing to get nine without any acting nominations. That doesn't mean the actors don't like it. It just means that Ray Fiennes was up against an incredibly competitive group. Well, there were a lot of interesting omissions in that respect. I mean, probably the most interesting one of all of them, or, or maybe the most frustrating one, is Selma, which, as you wrote and said, is not necessarily because uh, it was... Uh, you know, Hollywood is racist or, or um, misogynistic or anything to that effect, but more that, you know, that, that was a campaign that was not run particularly well, although it still got into the best picture. I don't picture. think it was entirely their fault that it was run badly. In other words, it, it, it wasn't, uh, that's not the way I would put it. If the movie is late, in other words, at, at the moment that, that American Sniper and Selma both debuted on the very same night at the AFI Film Fest, the difference there was that Sniper was finished, and they were already getting those screeners made and getting them out. There's a time frame involved. You have to have a final print. You have to have the mix. You have to have the sound. You have to have everything finished. And that was done. Clint was relaxed. He was done. Ava was finishing the movie, and she handed that thing in pretty late in the day, and they didn't have the time to get all those screeners out. They made the decision to send them to Ampus, the Academy, first. 
all of that buildup that occurs at the other groups like PGA and DGA, all that other stuff, SAG, none of that happened. And Selma needed it more than any anything. They everybody else was already lined up and had all their ducks and were doing what they were supposed to do. But Selma was playing catch up, and that's really a little tiny indie movie without a lot of bells and whistles. They couldn't get away with that. But at the same time, it did get into Best Picture. So maybe we should now turn to okay. The nominees are out. The conversation changes. It's a limited set of options, but. You know, there's still some campaigning that has to happen. Could Selma still have a chance in that category? Selma, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't think so. No, I think I think you need you need to feel like the actors are behind you. The actors is, are, are the biggest branch of the academy, and you you need to feel that the writers are behind you or the directors. You know, you know what I'm saying. You need to add up all those categories and believe that that many the people clearly a lot of people voted for Selma, even though it wasn't winning uh, a lot of the different branches. Um, so so, uh, and I'm not surprised that the directors didn't vote for Ava. But can it win Best Picture under those circumstances? Even though Argo didn't get a Best Picture nomination, statistically, it was very, very unusual for, uh, for, for Argo to win Best Picture under those conditions. It, it was an underdog scenario, and I suppose there could be a great big groundswell for some. I am a little bit concerned... Um, about a lot of the tenor of the complaints about Selma, as if we are, you know, you know, yes, the Academy is predominantly white. Yes, the Academy is predominantly male. Yes, the people who seem to bristle a lot at the uh, the 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 way that that Selma makes. Um, Lyndon Johnson, not heroic, um, you know, when it's supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be the champion of civil rights. You know, I, I, you know, I, I can see why people are jumping to the conclusion that the Academy is racist or sexist or whatever. It's the industry that is behaving, you know, not making enough films, not presenting enough, you know, all the actors, all, all eight actor, uh, uh, nominations are white. Right. And they're sending pictures around of that. It, it's, it would have been good to get a a yellow O in there, but nobody thinks about that. They don't go, Oh, I better vote for a yellow O or or we're going to have, uh, eight white nominees. Yeah. People don't think like that. Well, no, most people don't think in any explicit terms because there are so many different variables in play and so many different kinds of members now too. I mean, it is a fairly diverse branch as well, right? Well, they're making it more diverse. They're starting to make it more diverse and they're trying to add as many people, younger people, people of color, women, everything, independents, uh, you know, documentary filmmakers, they're doing it. But if you have 6,000 people, that change isn't going to be dramatic overnight. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also, I think, it's notable, you know, in a broader sense that even if, you know, this, this has happened, but at the same time, you know, the two big movies that are nominated and seem to have a lot of momentum behind them, you know, are in many ways indie films and, and very good and, and, and recognized for being different and going against the grain in a way that, at least from my, whatever you want to call it, civilian casual perspective, 
part-time casual. I'm not even sure how I rank now. I'm uh, not saying you're casual, but what I am saying is that you're not one of those people who obsesses for hours about, you know, making every single pick in every single category, no. which is what these people do. No, but, you know, I, but that what I'm is saying, what I'm saying. You what, are a professional film critic, and that means that you are an expert on the Oscars. Well, what I, I, what I will give say you that is that, that, that my particular expert opinion on these Oscar nominees is that I think they're very strong, especially the best picture category, and notably low on blockbusters. I mean that the the best picture category was you know, in some ways expanded to make room for bigger movies. At least that was part of the rationale. That was the idea. They're going to have a very sorry turnout worldwide with this group of films uh, in terms of getting good ratings, even with Neil Patrick Harris, because these are all independent films except for American Sniper. And, you know, Budapest is probably, you know, the highest grossing movie, although Sniper will be a huge movie when it opens this weekend. So let, let's spend the last couple of minutes that we have here kind of, uh, you know, sketching out what could happen in the next few weeks because, you know, the next time we talk, we're going to be in Park City for Sundance and uh, we're going to have all these other things to consider. And, you know, some of the people I've been talking to who are in the heat of Oscar season, they've been telling me they feel like they have to have two heads at this time of the year, although it is kind of nice that Sundance is later this year, so maybe we can separate them a bit more. Uh, but now the, the campaign shifts, right? So what are we going to be seeing? Is it, is it going to be really still Boyhood versus Birdman in most of these big categories? Uh, is, is there somebody who has to fight a little bit harder than somebody else? Or are we kind of in the same place that we started, you know, a few weeks ago? Well, Boyhood is still in the lead now, but, the, you know, these dynamics definitely can can shift. I've been sort of looking at the different categories because what happens basically is that people just, you know, they spread the wealth and they decide. I don't think this is a sweep situation. I think I think Boyhood takes director, writer, and and picture and supporting actress that that's sort of in the cards and then you look at still Alice and Julianne Moore and you look at at um, J.K. Simmons and and Whiplash and you can assume that maybe Whiplash they're going to say okay that's what Whiplash wins you know and okay that's you know that's take you know, Boyhood's taken care of now where are we going to give you know give something to Birdman. And, and the win there could be Lebesky for cinematography, for example. But there are a lot of categories that Birdman could, could, could reasonably compete in, and so could Budapest in Imitation Game. The, the, the acting category is the one where um, I wonder, you know, Michael Keaton is presumably in the lead, but, but in fact, um, you know, uh, the Theory of Everything star Eddie Redmayne just won the the drama Golden Globe. So, and he's very popular. Or does right. Imitation Game suddenly pick up steam with Harvey behind it and eight nominations behind it, and everybody decides that Cumberbatch is the one who should who should win? Well, you know, I have to tell you, now that the nominations are out, I mean, there's so many different things one could be pulling for or speculating about that are kind of out there. If I were to single out the two categories where I think something interesting is happening that's a little bit different than what people expected, that people aren't really talking about anyway, honestly, th this, this casual uh, observer would like to single out Paul Thomas Anderson's screenplay for Inherent Vice being nominated for Adapted Screenplay, which I thought yeah, was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and, they, uh, they, they clearly decided to go with the cool factor yeah, over well, actually rewarding a, a screenplay that had any coherence of any kind. Well, that's exactly what makes it so good. And, you know, also <laughs> Marion Cotillard, the reason why I think that's great, though, is because it does allow for that movie to be a part of the conversation in a bigger way. And 
I hope that people, people go check it out. It's a great performance, and I'm really happy uh, that that happened. Uh, Maybe you know, quite we should, pleased. Um, we, we should wrap up by uh, talking about our, our snubs that people should see. It's something that I wrote about a little bit today, but you know, something to keep in mind is even if they didn't make the cut, um, you can still watch them. And the one that I would single out um, is, is as at the top of my list is, is indeed life itself. If people haven't seen it, um, it's available everywhere. It's been available everywhere since it first came out because it was a day and date release. And um, it's a wonderful movie that is both. I think it's about, on CNN right now. Yeah, it's airing on CNN. And it's, uh, you know, it's not just about being a film critic or about that film critic. I think it's about sort of a certain a kind of more. intellect and what it means to be a survivor in a lot of different ways. And, and it just works on many different levels. It, it might be Steve James' best uh, work on in that sense, although he's, he's had a great It's based on career. a very good book, too. I recommend the book. It's, so, it's a wonderful, wonderful read. When I um, go to uh, Cannes this year, I'm going to try to go back through through London and do the, the Roger Ebert London walk, which I've, I've always wanted to do. So what's the snub that you think people should check out? Well, the one that came to mind as you brought this up um, was uh, The Homesman, uh, mainly because I just think Hilary Swank gave the best performance of the year and nobody saw it, you know? I don't even know if you can see it right now. Yeah, but um, it was it was just one of those films that, that got, you know, nobody went to see. And, and uh, I feel the same way about Tracks, by the way, uh, about about that film uh, with uh, Mia Wasikowska. Those were two very good performances that just didn't get any traction whatsoever. And I was sorry Nightcrawler uh, didn't do better. I didn't. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal would get in there, or, or, um, or, or, or possibly uh, Rene Russo, but but uh, that did not happen. Well, in that case, I guess people were just going to have to do a little bit of homework themselves to work outside of the Oscar season conversation. In our case, we'll be working outside of it because we're heading to Sundance soon. So I will see you shortly in Park City, Anne, and hopefully Looking we'll forward. have plenty more to talk about then. Bye. Until next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.